Good morning. Is this on? You good? Wow. Thank you, Marianne. I, that was just really overwhelming. Thank you. Um, let's pray one more time. Holy Ghost, we love you. We just welcome you into this place. We just say, have your way. Just do whatever you need to do. I pray, Father, that the word of God would have free course in this place. I pray that you would give me utterance in the Holy Ghost. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that everything that's in my heart, you would help me to bring it forth. And we pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation knowledge to just saturate each person and even the sanctuary, Lord. That every person... Um, will receive what you have for them this morning. And we just come into agreement and we say yes and amen. Amen. Well, I entitled, I'm going to be here this week and next week. And the title that uh, came to me was, are you ready? This will be part one, next week part two. The title is, Here Comes the Fire. And I'm picking up from last year, and not everyone was here last year, so we want to, you know, get everybody on board. So I'm going to be doing a little bit of review and then going, then going where God wants me to go this morning. But I want, to think, want you to think about that word fire. It's an interesting word. And last year, we, we uh, if you remember, we read Kenneth Hagin's prophecy from 1963, and now he hit it right on the head. And just a short summary, what he said, he prophesied about communistic atheism, you know, coming to America, about the riots and burnings in our big cities. And then he cries out to Jesus and he says, what does the future hold? You know, is it only going to be darkness and destruction and death? And then in response, he saw this huge ball of fire descending out of heaven. And as it got closer and closer to, the, uh, to America, it, it got larger and larger. And then at some point, it started dispersing to individual Christians and to local churches. I personally believe we're not just going to randomly get zapped with this fire, but it's going to be those that are positioned to receive it. Yes. Amen. I have here an amen. It's been prophesied that this fire will come to local churches that are strong in the spirit and strong in the word, that have become skillful in the spirit and in the word. And it's going to take not just the pastor or the, and the leaders, but it's going to take the whole congregation moving together. I think we underestimate the power of a people, a company of people being in one accord. I mean, when, when God can get a company of people in one accord, I mean, that's when the walls start shaking. Remember, that's when Pentecost hit and, 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 and powerful things took place. So he's, he's really into moving, local, local churches moving together as one. It's also been prophesied that before Jesus returns, the five-fold ministry gifts will operate at their full potential. And the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit that are listed in 1 Corinthians 12, they also will be, uh, be moving in their full potential. So we're going out of here with a blast of glory. Amen. Amen. And it is time to get excited because I know there's a lot going on, going on in the world, but Jesus said, I've overcome the world. And as he is, so are we in this world. So we are not of this world. We are of the kingdom of God. And uh, it's, it's a time to get excited. So I do believe that this word fire, and I want you to take it with, with you, you know, this word fire, because it's an appropriate word. And I'm going to show you in the Old Testament, I don't have time because it's some good studies, but all through the Old Testament, we see fire. We see Moses in the burning bush. We see God manifesting as the pillar of fire to his people in the dark night. Amen. We see Elisha. Is it Elisha? Or Elijah? Help me out here. 
Elijah, pulling, the, uh, calling down fire. Amen. He's the, and that sounds like today, we are, what side, you know, who's, who are you going to serve? You know, and they choose their sides. Uh, Isaiah, I love this one. Isaiah has this throne room encounter with God. And he sees, you know, the holiness. And in response, he's like, I am wretched. Uh, I am undone. And then God takes that fiery coal from the altar and puts it on his mouth. And it's a call. And then there's a commission. Amen. Uh, Malachi. Do we have that one? I asked for that scripture. Just something about Malachi chapter 3 and verse 2. There it is. Oh, this is heavy. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? He is like a refiner's fire. Now, one version says this. He is like a burning fire that melts metal. Whoa. And that launderer's soap, it's very, uh, it, back in the old days, you know, they didn't make detergents to be gentle. You know, they went down by the river and beat them on a rock. So this, this launderer's soap is very abrasive. It's to smooth us over. And it goes on and it says, the scriptures go on and say that God is going to purify and, and refine and cleanse his people. And we are going to offer up worship that, that's so glorious and so holy and what he's been waiting for his church to offer up. But then it goes on. Do we have that other verse? Yes. It's back about five. And he says, I will come near you for judgment, and I will be a swift witness. Now, I can't go here today, but I'm just going to submit to you, there's going to be two sides of the fire. There's going to be a fire of glory, and there's going to be a fire of judgment. So I'm not emphasizing that judgment side, because you see what's happening all around us. And uh, we know God will have the last say. New Testament, we see the flames of fire, Acts 2, we see there's a baptism of fire, and then one scripture I want to go to is in Hebrews, if you have that, <clears throat> there it is, okay, he, now he, and I start there, now he has promised, saying, yes, Yet once more, I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. The, the time or the season of the shakings, take note of this. Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as things that are made, that the things cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace, note that word, grace, by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. This is what I want you to see. For our God is a consuming fire. This is the only time that God reveals himself in the new covenant as a consuming fire. And it's right in the passage, in the portion that talks about the shaking, that everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And God's response is he will come as a consuming fire. He will consume his people with agape love like we've never experienced. He's going to, he is going to, he's going to consume us with joy unspeakable and full of glory. We're, all the goods are going to come to those that are positioned for it but he is a consuming fire. So fire, I believe it is an appropriate word. Now there's three areas in my heart. I don't know if I'll get to them in these two weeks, but I want to start with uh, the spirit, I'm sorry, the fire of faith. Now I know I shared this last year, but the reason I think God's telling, I said, God, and I, re I reminded God that I did, okay? But he didn't seem to care. He said, hit it again, the spirit of faith. And I think the reason is because the spirit of faith is directly correlated with a spirit of victory. They go hand in hand. And what God wants, when he would come together in, in the congregation, he wants in the atmosphere a spirit of victory, a spirit of faith so that he can display the kingdom of God. You know, Jesus, 
Jesus was displaying the kingdom of God, and he says, the kingdom is at hand. Let me just give an example what he meant. You see this little Kleenex here? It's at hand. It's at hand for me. But I have to take it. And you see, Jesus said, the kingdom of God, it's at hand. You grab it. And the kingdom of God, what did he display? He said, there is an anointing that's on the inside of my people, and they will do what I have done. Amen? That same anointing that lifts burdens and breaks yokes and heals those that are oppressed and need restoration and healing. That's what God's church is going to be in this last day because the kingdom is at hand. And so that's why I believe I want to say again that the, the, the fire of faith, faith, again, I'll say again, I say it again, it's more than a subject we study. It's more than a topic that we teach. It is a spiritual force. It's a spiritual substance, and it affects everything. It actually becomes the essence of who you are. Joshua and Caleb, there was a different spirit. It was recognizable. It was evident. It was visible. It set them apart. And I think about Hebrews 11. The men and women that stood out, the reason they stood out, because they had a spirit of faith. They moved in faith. They did things that didn't make sense to their natural mind. Uh, I, I love Hebrews eleven thirty nine. It kind of uh, pulls it all together. You know, the, he lists, you know, all these great men and women. And then he said this, these were all commended for their faith. Another version said, all these having gained approval through their faith. So, I'm sure there's some, maybe some new believers here to, today. I just believe there is. And I want to just remind all of us. There is a operational system to God's kingdom. And it's very important we all understand it. And we don't try to overcomplicate things. The operational system of the kingdom of God is this. You ready? Everything is by grace through faith. Can you say it with me? By grace, through faith. One more time. By grace, through faith. Amen. And we know Ephesians 2.8 confirms that. By grace are you saved through faith and not of yourself. It's a gift of God. So what is this grace? Hallelujah. It's everything we need in this life. I've been meditating on Second uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. I mean, meditating on it. And I'm thinking, when are we really going to get this as born-again believers, that we are not begging God to move? We're not praying for God to move. We wake up and we get revelation that he has already moved on our behalf. Amen. Grace and peace, do you have, did I give that to you? Thank you. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through, I'm going to add something, through the revelation knowledge, and I can do that, I believe, because all God's kingdom is built, believers are built by revelation knowledge, something the truth goes off on the inside of us, and we are built, and we go from strength to strength and victory to victory. Grace and peace be multiplied to you through the revelation knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I love this. As his divine power, as his divine dunamis. He didn't do it passively. He didn't just a couple trickles here and there. He put behind it divine dunamis. As his divine power has, has already, past tense, has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Here again, through the revelation knowledge of him who has called us to glory and virtue. I think Psalm 23 is my very favorite. 
You know, I know it's a lot of people's favorite. I just love the little sheep and all that because we're sheep. <laughs> so many characteristics. <clears throat> but, you know, we look at Psalm 23, and it really does not have to do with graduating to heaven. And we go, oh, I'm going through the valley of the shadow of death. I, I believe that that is just conveying to us that we live in a fallen world. So let's just wake up and smell the coffee. You know? And a shadow does not hurt. Shadow cannot hurt you. A shadow cannot affect your life. Yea, though I walk through the shadow. Uh, and then it goes on. I love this. He's, the, the scripture goes on and says that God has set before us a banqueting table in the presence of our enemies. So what do we Christians do? We emphasize the enemies are all around us. Isn't it scary? I love what Brother Hagen says. He says, so what of it? We live in a fallen world. And he's under our feet. He's utterly defeated. You know, all our job is the war's already won. We just have to, uh, what do you call that? Reinforce the victory. You know, when we, go into, when we go into another country and there's a war and we win the war, we always are going to leave some soldiers back, you know, there in that country to reinforce the victory that's already been won. Amen? So we got to stop emphasizing, oh, the enemy's there. We've made too big of a thing about him. I'm serious because the God on the inside is so much bigger, so much greater. But it says here, we miss the point, is he has set before us a banqueting table. It's an exquisite, extraordinary, lavish banqueting table. He set before us and everything is on that table that we need. The, all the things that pertain to life and godliness are on that table. So I just see this tablecloth that says, by grace, given by grace. And now where's the faith come in? Because we got to pull up our chair with our faith. Faith is the currency of heaven. It is the means by which we access all these good things that God has given to us. Amen. So we're not waiting on God to move, but we access it with the spirit of faith on the inside. Now, verse 4, back in 2 Peter, it says, it talks about that you know, all things have been given to us. And then it tells us that how we partake of them. It says that God has, by which great and exceedingly, I'm sorry, exceedingly great and precious promises is how we access this provision that God has for us. So I want to, as some of you have heard me, you know, some of you have been, we've been, we go back, okay, and you've heard me preach, but I say this a lot. One of my greatest discoveries, I think, was, was to realize that it's not how much words you have per se, but it's how much word got you. Yeah. It's not how much word you have, but how much of the word that has you. Amen. So in Jerem, I want to just kind of paint a picture of what happens when we, the word gets us. Do you hear what I'm saying? It gets us. We get it. Okay. Jeremiah 31 and 33. This is prophesying through Jeremiah that God is coming in the future and he's going to make a new covenant with his people. And he goes on and he says in verse 33, but this is the covenant that I will make with my, the house of Israel after those days. I will put my law in their minds. A better translation is inward parts. Let me read it like that. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they will be my people. So this is what happens. Just like God engraved the, the, the word on the tablets of stone, when you're born again, the word of God is engraved in your spirit man, the real you on the inside, the hidden man of the heart. It's in there. But what happens is we got to get our minds to come into oneness with the word of God that's in our spirit. So... I believe one of the most important things, which God actually told jo Joshua, 
He said about meditating on the word of God day and night, and it would make him prosperous and have good success. Meditation is more than memorizing. It could include it, but I think the best definition for meditating is chewing the cud. Good old cows. It's about taking a scripture, and you're going to get out of it. Whew. What do cows do? They eat, and they chomp, and they chew, and they chew, and they chew, and then they swallow it, and then they regurgitate it, and then they chew, and they chew, and they chew, and they swallow it, and then it comes, regurgitates it back, and all this green, juicy, gorgeous. <laughs> Who has cows? Anybody have cows here? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Woo! And then they swallow it. I'm just saying, it's not. Get, you know, the Pharisees had all kinds. They had scriptures upon scriptures, but the scriptures didn't have them. And so once you get a hold of a scripture and it make it yours, what happens is then that word becomes one with the word. It's already in your spirit. And I'll tell you, something happens. Something happens supernatural. That word that's already in your spirit becomes ignited. It's a quickening. There's a combustion, and there's a release of fire. Let me say that again. A quickening, a combustion, a release of fire. If someone would try to talk you out of the born-again experience, you're like, forget it, because it's a part of who you are. And the more words you get in here, because Jesus is the living word, the more word you have, whoo, look out. The enemy's in trouble. So I have this book here. This is my notebook. And uh, obviously, these are my decrees, my promises. And I have them in 16 font, y'all. You got to do what you got to do, you know. And uh, it's not about... You know, some of these maybe I did maybe, you know, daily for a while. But it's not about the ritual of quoting a lot of things, but it's about getting them in your heart. And so, and it's also my stance. It's my stance in the realm of the spirit. So I have some, I'm just going to read a little portion because I want to make a point about physical health. After my husband passed, something came into my heart. Now, I live in the villages. It's about 170,000 people. It's a 55 and over community. 160,000 people. A lot of older people, okay? And so, uh, but some of the things, I just want to bring out a couple because uh, I decree this over my life. That I, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, quickens and energizes my mortal body. I am full of Zoe life, resurrection power, and supernatural energy. My youth is renewed daily as the eagles. I'm full of sap and vitality. My immune is strong. My immune system is strong. I'm complete in Christ. With long life will he satisfy me. I will not be a burden to my family. Uh... I am a living memorial to the goodness and faithfulness of God. Uh, I added this recently, and this is the point I want to just bring out. I, I decree, I will know my time of departure. I will say goodbye to my family and friends. I will fall asleep in Jesus and wake up in heaven. Now, I was like, Lord, you know, he said, go for it. And you might say, well, what if it doesn't manifest? This is the deal. I'm the believer. God is the performer. I'm the believer. He's the performer. I don't need to figure this out in my head. I don't, know how, I don't need to know how he's going to do it. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? I'd rather die in faith than die in unbelief. Ooh, somebody heard that. Do you hear what I'm coming from? I'd rather die. You know, I've heard other people, that's how they went home to be with the Lord. And I heard that God's no respecter of persons. So I just believe in my heart and I'm going to decree with my mouth. When my time comes, I'm going to know. And I'm going to fall asleep. I'm not going to let sickness and disease take me out. Now, what if it doesn't manifest? God gave me this portion of scripture about the three Israelites in the fiery furnace. 
I love that. I love that story. Here again, more fire. The fire of the enemy could not touch them because they had a fire on the inside. And their fire was this. I know my God is able. I know my God is willing. <laughs> but even if he doesn't, I'm not going to bow to your dumb idols. And I believe we're at the part right now in, in history that that's got to be our gut decision. We're going to go for it. We're going to go for it. We're going to exercise. We're going to go with our faith for big things. And we're going to say that same thing. Our God is able. Our God is willing. But even if he wouldn't, I'm not going to bow to the spirit of doubt and unbelief. And I want you to know that this, this, there's a deluge right now of doubt, unbelief, disappointment, discouragement, disillusionment that is hitting the body of Christ. And Jesus said it was going to happen in the end days because he says, he asks, when the Son of Man comes, will he find persistent faith on the earth? We know through scripture, again, there's going to be in the last days that we're living in, there will be an, apost an apostasy, there will be a falling away. Uh, Mark 24 tells us that. You know, and the, it says that many will, their hearts will go, their, their agape love will wax cold. And you, they're talk, it's talking about Christians because only Christians have the divine agape love in their spirit. So it says in the last days, the agape of many believers will wax cold and there will be a falling away. Do you know that there's, there's ceremonies they're doing to unbaptize? Mm -hmm. Many un, unbaptized as Christians. Do you know that most new, uh, I'm not saying most, a large percentage of new age and witchcraft were once Christians. They either just parroted the, the salvation pr prayer, which I think many do, and maybe did not have a true spiritual birth, but maybe it was just because you know, they got disillusioned, disappointed, and they blamed God. You know, I, think, I know that we have questions sometimes. You know, why didn't God heal this person, and why did this person go to heaven? But I, I remember Brother Hagin said this. He, in one of his visions where he was talking to Jesus, and he asked Jesus uh, about a particular situation, and Jesus turned to him, and he said, that's between me and them. It's between the, Jesus and that person. And you might as well not take the time to mess around in your mind and try to figure it out because, do you know what I'm saying? You just, don't you think we have enough job just worrying about ourselves, amen, and, and going forward and, and, and doing what God wants us to do. Now, I want to make a little turn here. And I can't stay long on it, but I want to say this. God doesn't just place you into victory. In other words, you find out what the will of God is. I stand for my health. I stand for uh, restoration of my soul. I stand for prov provision and abundance. God will not just plop you. Okay, I release my faith, have my declarations. Uh, here I am. Where we messed up is we think God is just going to plop us into victory. What happens is God will lead you into victory. He will, there's a big difference. So he, re, he reveals to our hearts the general will of God, the general plan of God. But the number two part is we have to hear individually the directives. You know, I can believe God for healing, but you know, there was, God will talk to you, you know? He'll say, you know, you need to drink more water. Uh, I got to lead um, a, a young woman to the Lord. She's 10 years younger than me. And she has an answer to my faith, I swear, because she's very motivated. She's disciplined. And so now we work out together. You know what I'm saying? So, so God will tell, yes, I'm believing for health, but then there's going to be directives. You hear? It's really important. And so that's all through the Bible. There's specific instructions are always inherent in the general will of God. Examples are all through the scripture. 
Moses, what was the general plan was go and deliver my people out of bondage. But he had to be listening all the time. What is Pharaoh's, you know, he, had, he said, go to, God says, go to Pharaoh. He had to hear what God said you need to tell Pharaoh. He, he needed to go at the Red Sea. He's like, oh my gosh, Lord, what are we going to do? He needed to hear the directives. He knew the general will of God, the general plan of God is let set my people free. But he had to be continually hearing the directives of the Lord. Uh, Joshua, the same thing. Go in, take my people, and possess the land. Joshua had to hear directives for every city that he took. And it was always different. It was amazing. But he always had victory as long as he was hearing the directives of the Lord. Jesus, you know, his deal was to bring his calling was to bring the kingdom of God to heal people. He was listening all the time to his father. And the father would say, this time speak the word only. Next time, cast out a demon. Next time, get some mud. So God's will is that we win every time, that we never lose a battle. So I want to just say this because we never have to talk God into speaking. We don't have to beg him. God is not withholding from us. He has declared that his sons will be led by the spirit of God. I love this example. Let's take my daughter-in-law, Kiara. I have a little grandson, Nolan. I kept him the other day, all day. It was great, but I was exhausted. I slept better that night than I've slept for a long time. But let's just take a scenario where Nolan, he's four, he comes up to Kiara and he says, would you please be my mommy? Would you please be my mommy? Now, wouldn't that be dishonoring? Because she's like, I've been your mom for four years. I've changed your diaper. I've wiped your nose. I've been up late at night with you. Do you hear what I'm trying to say? So it's dishonoring. Now, hear me. It's dishonoring to beg or ask God to lead you. He has declared, he has committed that his sons will be led by the Spirit of God. So, and it's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. Where we have to become more skillful is hearing hearing. Young people, if you'll hear the Lord and make the right decisions, your life will be so blessed. But um, there's times, here we go. Um, I don't want to take too much time here. Okay. It's a skill that we can develop. I know when I was first born again, God wanted me to do something. I remember my heart would be pounding. Well, you know, that's not going to happen now. It's almost been 50 years, okay? It's not going to happen. So now I, you know, it can be just a slight nudge or a slight inward witness. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, It's really different than it used to be. Uh, Sometimes we've heard from the Lord in our spirit, but we want additional confirmation. We want stronger confirmation. Sometimes we've heard, but we have selective hearing. You know, we go, nah, nah, you know, we pretend we didn't hear. Uh, a lot of people move out in presumption and foolishness uh, because they're bored and they're just restless. You can make big mistakes. Uh, let me just say this. I believe in this last days, everything that's going on, the safest place is to be in the plan of God for your life. And if you're not sure, it's time to, 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 to develop and listen and, and hear what he wants you to do. Um, I think other people are missing it because of fear. They're under pressure. Uh, maybe there's too much interference or static. They're preoccupied with the busy, busyness of life. And I think another problem is we get caught up in the mental arena. We're trying to figure it out. You know, it can be exhausting to try to figure out when you're at a crossroads, you don't know what to do, something's not quite right. Like Brother Hagin used to say, he felt like he was taking a bath with the socks on, you know, something's just not right, <laughs> you know? And sometimes you're, you, know, you have experiences like that. So we don't want to get into the mental arena to be, we are spirit beings. 
And that's all that Jesus did. He made it so simple. His walk, he was just tuned in. He was just like, I only do what the Father says for me to do. I only say what I hear the Father saying. And see, there's like, I believe the intention in the Garden of Eden was we would just be hooked up to this umbilical cord, spirit to spirit. We just move in him, and the blessing of God, the approval of God is upon us. Can you give me that? I want to read this little story. Thank you. Then I believe there's a cultural pressure or a peer pressure. I just need to read this story because it's so impactful. This is from uh, Brother Hagin. He's talking about being in the plan of God for your life. And how you can get out of it. And he gives an example back from back in the healing uh, revival. He said years ago, he was at a voice of healing convention. Now, when that healing revival swept America, they said that healings were like popping like popcorn. I mean, you maybe never had that anointing, but you, everybody could get, it was getting healed. I mean, it was just because it was a God thing. And so... <clears throat> He said, I heard a pastor say something that caught my attention. Now, he was a good pastor. He had established a good work. And it was in the days of revival, especially tent revivals. Healing evangelists were everywhere and tents were everywhere. So I made, so he, <clears throat> I'm sorry, the pastor said, Oral Roberts. So this pastor said, if Oral Roberts can do it, I can do it. Was that God's plan and purpose for him, or was it his human ego speaking? As a young man just in his 30s, I made a mental note of it and watched him to see what would happen. He left his church, and he got a tent. And he did it. For a little while, he did it almost as well as Brother Roberts. He had a 6,000-seat tent, finally got up to a 10,000-seat tent, but then he went down, down, down. During the same time, I was also in the voice of healing. But God told me, you stay in the churches. And I stayed in them from 1949 until 1962, until God gave me a different plan. I traveled from church to church, preaching constantly. And in practically, now hear this. And in practically every meeting, I don't mean it happened occasionally. I don't mean it happened once in a great while. I mean in almost every meeting, someone would stand up and prophesy that I was to get a tent. They'd say, I got a word for you. God wants you to get a tent. God no, God no more wanted me to get a tent than he wanted me to fly to Mars. And I didn't get one. Why did they do that? They did it because every el everyone else was getting a tent. I watched many other ministries get a tent because people prophesied that they should. The tent, the minister, and the ministry folded up. You don't do something because someone else is doing it. Find out what God wants you to do. Thank you. Amen. So I want to kind of wrap this up. <clears throat> and, and talk to the... Now, I'm not sliding if you're a single here. I mean, if you're a widow, divorced, a single, because I'm there. Okay? And I believe there's a special grace on the single person, actually. God, you know, God is our covenant partner, and I believe there's special promises for us. And he will... He will bring tremendous support to us, and I can give much testimony to that. But I felt like I was to talk to the marriage covenant, uh, marriage, marriage, marriages today, the husbands and wives, concerning hearing the plan of God for your life, concerning being in the plan of God, which will be the safest place in the days to come. A marriage covenant, God looks at the oneness. 
There is a divine oneness, and here again is the power of being in one accord. I want to just encourage you. First thing is you got to hear together. Take quality time. Sit down and share with each other and take inventory. Really in every sphere of life. Make, <clears throat> this is really practical, so I'm really turning the corner here. But I believe this is what God wants me to say. Okay, just practical things. You got to find time. Make sure both partners have a complete overall picture of every area, especially the financial area, and have input and involvement in decision making. I'll tell you, this is a big problem, especially when, when uh, I've seen many widows at the end of their lives, their husbands have passed, and they have absolutely no clue of what was happening financially. Their husbands never shared anything with them. Uh, I have an, another example where the husband was making a lot of big decisions, and And the wife didn't, she saw some of the decisions and felt like she needed to give input, but she was really afraid to give that input. It shouldn't be like that. You need to make, t maintain an environment where each can articulate and share their hearts. I mean, I mean, dreams, you need to say, you know, what, ask your wife, what is her dream? What are her priorities? You know, sometimes you have totally different priorities. What are your concerns? Where do you see us being in five years or 10 years or in your latter years of your life? And see, I know life is busy, but when you're, you're, your spouse is sharing, because marriage is all about intimacy and it's about bonding. And so you got to open up your hearts. And when your spouses share, you have to be so careful how you respond. Regardless of what they're sharing. Might seem really whacked out to you. But you need to be careful how you respond. Don't be dismissive. Don't be dis defensive. Don't reply quickly or harshly. You just need to listen. You need to hear. You need to, you know, take it to prayer. Each needs to be heard. You know that you can talk, and that person sitting there, quote, they're listening, but you know they, you're not being heard. I don't know where it's gone. It's either going over or around or somewhere, but they're not, it's not being heard. And what I've found over the years, when a spouse is not given the opportunity to talk things out, when they're not given the opportunity to be heard, they're going to feel frustrated, of course, and they're going to feel stuck. And too many, <clears throat> too many households are stuck. And when you're stuck, you're going to, uh, there's just going to be a, a sense of not well-being, you know, you just, it, this is how it's going to be. Uh, so what happens then is you go talk to your friends, you talk to someone else, and you'll, you'll get a temporary emotional release, but you're really not going to make headways because it's in the sharing, putting things on the table that you find the heart of God. You find the might of, mind of God. So by turning towards each other, you're bonding and you're finding out what is his will, what is his way, what is the plan of God for your life. So don't let pride or ego get in the way. Directives can come and will come through either spouse Okay. Even when it's not considered their strength. Let me share this. So say one spouse, that's their, finances is their strength. And they've acknowledged. And they're, and, you know, they're made, yeah, okay. Finances is your strength, so you just run with it. Not good. Not good. Even if it's your strength, you lay it on the table and you listen for what's in that spouse's heart. 
Even if it's not their strength, they have the Holy Ghost. And because the two are one, that's a safeguard, that's a safety net that God has brought and put into the marriage relationship. Are you with me? We're good here? Okay. Okay, so husbands are ultimately responsible for their households. We know that. And there is a divine order And I'll tell you, our culture right now is doing everything under the sun to break down the divine order, amen? The culture is, over time, trying to disempower and emasculate men, to strip them of their masculinity, to strip them of initiative. You know, emasculating simply means to deprive of strength, to deprive of vigor, and the capacity for effective action. Too many men right now in our society, they're laying down on the inside, they're shirking responsibility, they're becoming lazy, they're disengaged. You know, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Passivity is what we're seeing. The definition of passivity is the acceptance of what happens without active response and resistance. So what I'm saying is men, picking on you just a little bit here, but there's an authority, a God-given authority that you have on the inside to cover your house, to protect your house, to provide. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, in this day, many times it takes two. I understand that. But the husband is ultimately responsible and will give an account to God. Hallelujah. So there's, I was thinking, you know, I don't know where we're going. You know, there's a lot of unstable things in the world that are coming down the pike. And I started reading this article about resilience. Like what, what makes one person resilient and one kind of fold and quit? And it was very, very interesting. But in this hour, I believe it's a good study because God's saying, I want you to, I want you to be gritty people, you know, that you're resilient, that you're purposeful, that you're determined. Amen. That there's a, there's a, there's a, uh, I don't know, just a passion, and there's a perseverance of effort. And when the man is not taking that lead or not taking on shouldering the weight of the responsibility, then the wife is going to have to take it on. And then there's not the grace that's necessary for her to carry it. Now, God will give you, I mean, I'm not saying, there's not the natural grace, you know, but God will give because he's gracious and he's merciful and he's kind but many times and most times it takes a toll on the woman it can it, it can add stress that she's not doesn't have the natural grace to carry um, it can break down the immune system you hear what I'm saying this is happening all around us uh, other times I've seen where one of the spouse basically the husband he's trying to take his place He's trying to get things in order. He's trying to work a plan. He's trying to bring restraint, but the other spouse is, gonna, is resisting. There's many ways you can resist. You can make life miserable for the other person, or more times than not, is a subtle control. Come on, ladies. You know, I know it's Sunday morning, but one thing we use, you know, we can use different mechanisms of control, and one of them is just withholding what is due. No more said there. Okay. <clears throat> Sharing our life together, finding God's plan for our lives, I'm almost done, requires transparency and vulnerability. Deception's going to break down your marriage. Hidden things will destroy intimacy. And when you're at an impasse, I beseech you, do not move until you have clarity and you have a peace. Peace is the empire. Isn't there a scripture that says we'll be led forth? How's that go? We will be led forth with peace. Mountains and the hills. You shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. Amen. Uh, I want to encourage you, if you hit that impasse, you can get outside input, especially for big decisions. Uh, it's important to hear other people's perspectives. I know one minister suggested a personal board. It's just people, not like you're going to necessarily do what they say that you should do, because ultimately 
God leads you through your human spirit by the Holy Spirit. But there's a safeguard just submitting, running it past somebody, and getting their response. It's a safeguard. It's really, really important. And I thank God for those in my life. There's times I'll call Travis and sit, you know, I have another man down where I live, him and his wife. I'll submit things to them just to hear their response. But ultimately, I'm responsible. Amen. So, once you hear the directive, husband and wife, move together. Be a team. This is the hour to find the will of God, the plan of God for your life, not in your head, not outward pressure, but down in here. And, and there's times you just got to stop and you got to seek God. And you got to cut out all the noise and all the static. I just want to encourage you to do that. Amen. So I think I'm about done here. Yeah, I am. So um, be a team. So why don't we stand up? And if you are husband and wife, can they join and get hand? I want to pray for the husbands and wives. It's just this is what's in my heart. And those that are around them, just lay hands on them, and I just want to decree over them. Thank you, Father. Father, I thank you that this is the hour of your fire. And we want to be positioned right smack dab in the middle of where you want us. We want your plan. We want your plan. Not a plan that originates out of good thoughts or on the outside or reasonings or pressure. But, Father, we want to hear clearly from the Holy Spirit. So I lift up every husband and wife, Father. Not that you don't care about the singles, because you do, but you want to zero in right now on husbands and wives. And Father, we are coming into agreement with them. We are decreeing, Father, that they will hear clearly. They will hear accurately. They will have vision, your vision. They will actually have the see into the future, that the gifts of the Spirit will operate, that they will have that spirit of wisdom and revelation knowledge in the name of Jesus, that you'll show them, Holy Ghost, you have decreed that you are on the inside of us for the very purpose to guide us into all truth and to show us of things to come. So we thank you for it. And as a body of believers, on behalf of these married couples, we say yes and amen. So be it. Amen. Glory.